0: Welcome to Inside the Founders Studio with the California Technology Council, where we bring you perspectives directly from startup founders and investors in every episode. Now we turn to our host in our Northern California headquarters, Matt Gardner, founder of the California Technology Council.
1: today's episode of Inside the Founder Studio. We're talking with Anit Makin, co-founder of LedgeSite. Anit, thanks for joining us
0: today. Well, thanks for having me. I'm uh, happy to be here.
1: So tell us a little bit about uh, what Ledge Site is and uh, why it's different.
0: Sure. Well, um, the short version is, is what LedgeSite is. It's a data analytics platform specifically focused on the public policy sector. So what that means is Uh, We grab as much information uh, and as much data, you know, different documents, legislation, committee reports, uh, CBO scores, this, that, and the other uh, as we can. And we've written a number of proprietary text analysis algorithms that essentially read all those documents in real time to uh, find relationships between, uh, let's say, legislation and committee reports or uh, looking historically at, you know, almost 30 years of legislative data to identify what we call uh, ghost authors in legislation. So uh, a bill may have, let's say, five co-sponsors, but, you know, there could be 10, 20, 30, you know, 100 members of Congress that actually have their fingerprints on that legislation, you know, they've inserted language. Uh, and so what we do is uh, we basically process all of this data to, um, uh, you know, clear uh, clear some of the smoke so you can actually figure out what's going on.
1: So, Anit, of all the industries that are are being turned on their heads by big data, this one seems the least likely, the most resilient against change. How have you addressed this in a way that's uh, hopefully turning this into a system that's going to be prone to uh, patterns in data turning up uh, in in an automated way?
0: So. Um... You know, the when you say the the system that's um, you know reluctant to uh, experience change, you know that may be true for government uh, in whole, but when it comes to the public policy sector, you know specifically the creation of legislation and regulations, uh, the people that work in that sector. Um, you know, they need as much essentially business intelligence as they can. So whether you are a trade group or a lobbyist or some uh, an organization or um, let's say a congressional office, it's really important for you to know all of the facts. Like in any other business, you need to know everything uh, that you possibly can get your hands on so you can make the most informed decisions. Uh, and when it comes to public policy, uh, the world isn't too much different. Um, you know, if you have a goal in mind, you need the information in front of you as quickly as possible so you can act on that information. And so what we've been seeing with our customers and our clients is, you know, they've really embraced that. Um, you know, with the last few election cycles, we've really seen uh, the way that uh, information and data has been used to kind of turn the tide in uh, campaigns and elections and what have you. Um, And I think everyone uh, within the public policy world in D.C. knows that it's just a matter of time before, uh, you know, those sorts of processes and information are actually brought to public policy, um, and we're doing that.
1: It is very exciting, and how do you deal with the regulatory side or the executive branch of this? Is it possible to deal with all the information that flows out of open meetings and and run them through your uh, proprietary sausage grinder?
0: Yeah, so right now our focus is on... Capitol Hill uh, as far as sausage making goes from a legislative perspective. And what we're working on right now is a regulatory product that will take a lot of the same concepts and apply that to uh, the regulatory space. Uh, The good news is is a lot of that information is out there in the wild, um, just waiting for someone to grab it and actually do something interesting and meaningful with it. Uh, The way it works right now is there's a lot of um, kind of institutional knowledge that goes into uh, You know, drafting and passing legislation, the same can be said for the regulatory world. So we're trying to take, uh, you know, build on some of that institutional knowledge and actually provide some data and numbers and information behind that.
1: Is there a way to, I mean, can you get as far as as even things like probabilities for uh, legislation that may have legs or has survivability, or is it not possible to, to reach into the future and do forecasts with this kind of dashboarding?
0: You know, um, that sort of forecasting is certainly possible, um, you know, but the question is: is how how useful is that information? Um, You know, I can tell you right now from a legislative perspective, you know, something like uh, I'm making up the numbers here, but I'm assuming that they're uh, somewhat accurate, you know, probably something like 95 percent, maybe even as high as like, you know, 97, 98 percent of legislation that's introduced uh, doesn't really see any meaningful action. Um, So, from a predictive perspective, you can say, okay, well, you know, we are certain that, you know, these 98% of bills won't see any action. Uh, But it's that last 2% that's kind of tricky, Um, and that's the kind of stuff where, you know there will be some sort of uh you know a uh, major event that the you know that you read about in the media or you know something will happen that will all of a sudden get the gears turning, and it's obviously impossible to predict you know what's going to happen in the world that's going to get you know those wheels turning um, so you know I guess the the short answer is it's you know not necessarily impossible, but the question is is how useful would it be
1: sure, so without asking you to um you know, betray the confidences of any particular customers. Can you talk about patterns that you're seeing and in, in how customers are utilizing you, the information that you're putting out? So have you been surprised, or what have you learned from uh, use patterns and, and the trends that you're seeing in, in uh, the way people are sorting through and, you know, keyword searching and indexing uh,
0: what you're making available to them? Uh, so, you know, what we're finding is – You know, what our clients are primarily using our service for, um, or I shouldn't say primarily, but, you know, I would say getting the most value out of is uh, some of the stuff we're doing where, you know, we're identifying these ghost authors that I was talking about in legislation. So let's say that um, a 2,000-page bill drops. um, You know that there's going to be action on it within the next week. Um, You know, the question is, is how do you synthesize those 2,000 pages. Well, what we're doing is uh, we're helping our users basically zero in on what's important to them. And what we've seen them uh, doing quite a bit is basically Narrowing in on what's important, you know, it could be a paragraph, it could be 10 pages, um, and then looking at the data points that we provide um, regarding that specific, you know, language or provision or concept. So, you know, which member of Congress is most likely responsible for this, you know, who have traditionally been the champions on this particular concept, who have, you know, put up hurdles, you know, who can potentially be swayed one way or the other. Um, You know, there's four document sets related to this, this bill so what we're doing is we're pulling out you know just uh, you know the most meaningful paragraph or pages from each of those documents so that's really how we're seeing our product being used Uh, you know the question hasn't ever really been you know how do we find this information the question's been you know how do we really zero in on what we need Um, and that's kind of how we're seeing our our clients use our platform it's just basically a way for them to wade through all the mess to get to you know get to the meat of whatever the issue is they happen to be working on
1: uh, let 's go back uh, to the inception of ledge site. When did you know you had something and, and what was the the first sign in the universe that you were on the right path?
0: Um, well, so you know, a little bit of background on myself. I spent five years on Capitol Hill. Um, I had the opportunity to work on uh, the two thousand and nine stimulus package and you know, healthcare reform. Um, some of the more notable pieces of legislation, of course, you know there were hundred thousand or hundred or a thousand things in between, but what uh you know really kind of set ledge side off in my in my head was um, I was working on uh, a continuing resolution package, so you know what Congress was doing was trying to essentially continue funding the government um you know without uh, actually passing you know brand new from scratch funding bill, so essentially saying that, uh, you know, this program is reauthorized at the previous year's levels. this ro- re- uh, program is reauthorized as well at the previous year's levels and what have you. And these uh, draft versions kept coming. You know, this is like probably the second or third um, continuing resolution. And I get this email saying, hey, the language has dropped, uh, and I think this is probably like on a Sunday or Monday evening, uh, you know, votes on Thursday. Uh, take a look uh, you know let me know uh, what you find let me know if there's anything of concern and this was for my chief of staff um, and I'm looking at this you know probably 2,000 page document thinking to myself you know how the heck am I going to get through this and so I did what you know it was kind of standard practice on Capitol Hill, which is you know first, I called my you know friends and colleagues see if they had any um insight that you know they might be able to share um, and then I actually opened up the PDF and hit control f uh, and started searching for you know keywords and terms that I think you know, that I thought you know could flag anything that you know we should know about. Um, I like to joke that you know the last major innovation in uh Legislative analysis was a searchable PDF, and so from there, basically, what you know, what happened was, uh, you know, I started thinking to myself, you know, there's got to be a better way to do this. So, anytime something you know annoyed me, bothered me, uh, I thought was completely inefficient, I just kind of kept a notepad going, and I just wrote things down, wrote things down, I got to the point where I was writing things down, you know, two, three, four times a day, and this went on for you know six months, maybe even more, nine months, almost a year, uh, before I actually decided to take the plunge.
1: So uh, that's a long sort of contemplative process. How did you go from seeing the opportunity to building a company around it? Can you talk about that process a little bit?
0: At first, I wasn't really looking at it as an opportunity to, um, you know, start a business. It was almost kind of a, a way for me to vent. You know, anytime something pissed me off, I'd kind of write it down. Um, And as time went on, you know, I slowly met people who were kind of involved in, you know, the the startup community um, and technology more generally. And, you you know, how it goes over coffee, over lunch, over beers, you know, you just kind of uh, start t- talking about things that have uh, been on your mind. And the more and more I interacted with people um, who had a background in technology and kind of talked to them about, you know, some of the issues I was facing, the more and more I realized that, you know, this was, these were actually problems that were solvable. Uh, so from there, um, I actually, uh, by happenstance, met uh, one of my co-founders, Guy Morgenstern. Uh, we just happened to be sitting next to each other in an event, and we started chatting. Um, and he's uh, he's a developer. Uh, spent a, a number of years uh, working for the Israeli Defense Force Intelligence Corps, doing some um, really really intense data analysis over there. Um, and you know what started as some casual conversations actually kind of uh, turned into a, a real company where he started saying to me, you know, these are things that are these are problems that I, I've worked on in a different context. I think we can actually do this. Um, And from there, uh, you know, we set out trying to actually build a product that would do some of this stuff.
1: Uh, Very cool. And obviously a very unique thing. Are you encountering uh, a a cohort of startups around the policy or engagement process? Um,
0: So, you know, there were uh, a couple startups uh, that were in the uh, engagement, you know, public policy engagement space. Uh, you know, before we we entered the fold. Um, and, and since then, um, you know, we've seen some more companies uh, pop up. It certainly hasn't been, um, you know, a, a, a giant rush, but I think people are slowly starting to see, uh, realize the potential here, uh, you know, particularly considering um, – you know some of uh, you know some of the, the the great progress that's been made uh, from the open open gov uh, I guess movement. You know, making sure are helping to get you know data out into the wild into the public, so people can actually see it and interact with it and understand how their government's functioning.
1: Yeah. So related question. I mean, you talked about the potential down the road for the executive branch and, and other activities. Speaking of, of open gov, there are. Uh, uh, let's put this as an opportunity. there are massive opportunities to do this same thing in in state levels as well H- Have you found any traction there or is that a, a a fire hose that you're not ready to drink from yet
0: so um we've actually proven out our technology at the at the state level um so for you know as far as state legislatures go uh, and I think there's a gigantic opportunity there just waiting um was just uh, waiting for someone to to pounce on. Uh, you know that's something that we've definitely that's a space that we've definitely been keeping a close eye on. Um, and I'd be lying to say uh, I'd be lying if I said that uh, you know we haven't considered moving in there into that space. And I uh, I think in the the near future, certainly sooner rather than later, uh, you'll be seeing ledge site at the state level as well.
1: Yeah, it's very exciting stuff. Let's talk about uh, life as an entrepreneur. Uh, what's keeping you up at night about this process of building a company?
0: Um, I would say the same thing that's keeping up just about every every uh, entrepreneur at night. You know, I don't think you can actually call yourself a startup unless. You know once once a month or even weekly you feel like you're staring down the edge of the cliff um, and it's just you know it, it's uh, the same you know the same concerns that I think anyone has you know starting a business um, you know, keeping the lights on making sure that uh, you know the service is up to par up to standards to ensure that um, you know you're giving the market what the market needs and wants um, but you know, beyond that, it's just, you know, managing a team and growing a team, and you know, all the all the hurdles that go with you know any business, whether you're opening up um, you know a corner coffee shop or uh, you know a technology company.
1: So Anit, what has surprised you about getting to market and uh, the time that it takes, and uh, attracting customers and the take up rate that you've experienced?
0: You know, I think. Well, you know, my background, you know, wasn't necessarily from the start, not necessarily, my background wasn't from the startup world. My background was government, Capitol Hill. Uh, But I think, you know, what surprised me most was, um, you know, the amount of effort uh, it takes to actually get the product to market. Um, You know, making sure that uh, the product functions as, as intended. Um, you know, you can go in with a certain set of assumptions and you can build on those assumptions. But, uh, you know, actually digging into, you know, what the product needs, speaking with customers, um, you know, that was surprisingly took took more time than I expected. Um, you know, we, we put together our MVP. We put it out in the world. Um, got some amazing feedback and started growing the product from there. Um, you know, something else that surprised me as well is, you know, we had, uh, you know, we had this, you know, we had this roadmap. You know, this is what we're going to do first, and this is what we're going to do second, this is what we're going to do third. Um, and then the second it gets out there, uh, you know, none of that matters. I think Mike Tyson has a quote that says said something like uh, he said something along the lines of, you know, everyone has a plan until they get punched in the face. Uh, that's kind of uh, what surprised me most. We had a plan, and then we put our MVP out there, and we got punched in the face, and, you know, you move forward from there. (laughs) That's awesome. Thanks for that.
1: Uh, We don't get Mike Tyson quotes all that often, so that's great stuff. (laughs) I I actually just read his autobiography, and I couldn't put it down. (laughs) That's great. Fantastic. Uh, So tell us a little bit, too, about knowing that you went through that that process and, and nothing was what you thought it was, what would you go back in time if you had a time machine? If you were only given 30 seconds to tell yourself something, what would that one
0: thing be? Wow, that's a great question. Um, if I only had 30 seconds to go back in time and tell my, give myself one piece of advice, it would be uh, don't buy into the hype. Um, I think there's a lot of... Uh, especially for people who are entering the startup world for the first time uh, you know, a lot of people kind of uh, you know have this uh this notion that you go in and you blow up overnight, and next thing you know, you're, you know, you're Uber, you're Facebook, or what have you. Um, and I think a lot of that has to do is because you know the companies that get talked about are the you know the one in a, a million that actually uh, explode like that overnight. But in reality, um, you know, growing a company, growing a startup, um, it's 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 a slow process. It's a slog. Um, you know, obviously, you know, if you don't have any traction early on, then you need to rethink what you're doing, but Um, you know, you don't go from one user to a million users in a weekend, at least not typically. Um, And so, you know, that's the advice I would give myself is, you know, don't buy into the hype and just keep your head down and focus and one step forward, you know, or, you know, for every two steps forward, if you have to take a step, if you end up taking a step backwards, it's not the end of the world. Just keep, as long as you're making forward progress, keep going. Thanks, Anit.
1: Have you uh, participated in any incubation or acceleration platforms that you could tell others about?
0: Yeah. Um, so I, uh, my company went through Fortify Ventures uh, Accelerator here in DC. Um, it was, uh, in my opinion, uh, a great experience. Um, I think I can safely say that we wouldn't be where we are today um, had we not gone through Fortify. Uh, the folks behind that program are amazing. The mentors there are amazing. Uh, they really, you know, they really helped us um, focus uh, focus on the important aspects of our business and growing a business. Um, it, it was it, it was it was a crash course in building a company, which, um, coming from my background, I really needed, and I found it was very helpful.
1: What should other entrepreneurs look for when they're looking at acceleration platforms to jump into?
0: You know that's uh, that's uh, that's another good question. You know, I would say, um, you know, first and foremost, um, you need to look at the the people that are behind the accelerator. You know, there there are accelerators and incubators um, everywhere, in just about every major city, I would guess, um, in the country and across the world right now. And I think it's really important to look at, um, you know, the. You know the people that have founded that accelerator incubator uh, incubator understand you know who they are, what they're about, uh, the kind of you know people they are, how they operate, um, as well as you know understanding you know some of the people you're going to be interacting with on a on a day to day basis, and of course you know looking at you know their past portfolio you know have. You know, what sorts of companies have they um, invested in? How are those companies doing now? Um, you, know, it's, it, you know, like I said, it's, it's like a crash course, right? It's almost like school or, you know, picking a university. You know, you don't just pick the first university that comes your way. You know, you, you look into it and you try to understand which university is the best fit for you. And, that's, you know, that's kind of how we took our, you know, that's the approach we took when um, looking at accelerators. Great stuff.
1: This has been Anit Macon, the co founder of LedgeSite. Anit, thanks. And in particular, thanks for an approach that hopefully will make the policymaking process easier for everyone to understand.
0: Well, thanks for having me. Really enjoyed myself. This
1: episode of Inside the Founder Studio has been brought to you by 71 Pounds, providing California Technology Council members with shipping, audits, and refunds. For more information, visit californiatechnology.org slash memberbenefits. Music for this episode of Inside the Founder Studio has been brought to you by Scott Fowler, friend of the California Technology Council.
0: Inside the Founder Studio is produced in Northern California by the California Technology Council.